Welcome to the World of Koth Players podcast. My name is Kel Ronan, and I play Delane. And hello, I'm Nargal, the necromancer, who has determined that he has been totally betrayed with his contract. I am Skyjifter, and I play Kesis again, who is almost dead. Again. <laughs> uh, I'm Lost Boy Schulte, and I play Dino. I'm a Sachidora, and I navigate the hot mess known as Rollfor, who thinks anyone with the evil alignment is a coward and a traitor. I'm someone known as Rollfor? No, I'm not. Oh, for frick's sake. Reggie. I'm someone known as <laughs> Reggie. Okay, I don't feel so Crap, I'm doing though. it too. <laughs> you know, I, I just have to say here as Nargo. Now, what Rolfor said, he's against someone with an evil alignment. That means Rolfor should like Nargo because Nargo is not evilly aligned. His alignment is not evil. It's chaotic neutral, so you must yeah, like me. He just sells living bodies as goods. Well, well, hold on. I'm the evil one, technically. Yeah. There's only one evil in the party. Nargo has a problem with Kelronan's character, Delane, because Delane's a god... A, you know, a priestess of pain or pleasure. Nargol takes care of his cargo. The better condition my cargo is and the more valuable they are. If we have a BDSM priestess there who's going to enjoy seeing them punch themselves, it doesn't bring as much gold up on the auction table. Jesus so there, I like my cargo. Everyone. Jesus just wants to kill everyone. She's just I better. Agree. Yes, I think we should kill everyone. I agree. Starting with Nargol and Jesus, you got it. <laughs> hey, Nargal now knows why Rolfor stepped out after Nargal sacrificed his healing potion to save Rolfor for a teammate. And he couldn't understand why Rolfor stepped away from the thing and had Nargal killed. But now reading so bullshit. You are so bullshit. Okay. So for a little bit of context letter, here. I think we already had this argument in this podcast. We did. <laughs> One, we didn't read that letter until after that situation happened. Two, no. you had Rolfor screaming, don't come near me, freaking out, knowing he's bloodied, and you made the choice after hearing that. But moving on to our next session, I believe Cal Ronan's going to give us a quick summary, and we'll talk about why you are so nicely, so quietly lying at death's door. All right, so... In the previous session, in our last session of Salt and Driftwood, uh, we were hunkered down in a crypt with uh, having barely escaped some spiders who had poisoned two of our Maharity members, nearly killed uh, three of us, and were recuperating in a safe crypt away from an undead dog uh, and an acid pool um, in this cooler, darker room. Now, uh, Reggie and Rolfor had opened one of the caskets and captured, or repurposed rather, one of uh, some of the um, dead lord's goods. And in the process, Nergul realized that these caskets are full of dead things. And after a rest, from which uh, many of us recovered uh, significantly, uh, we went around the room. Uh, opening or trying to stop uh, caskets from getting opened and uh, the room was filled with du the dust of the dead some bone dust in the air and uh, made it pretty difficult to breathe um, so we we opened the door 
uh, to the room with the acid pit, and Delane casts um, create water, which actually just pulls water out of the air. And so <laughs> now this room is unlivable as well. So now we had to escape back somewhere. Uh, Kesis uh, did some scouting and determined that the cultists did not seem to be down the hall, and uh, half the party broke to Earth itself, and half the party broke for the east after much deliberation. Um, and the part, party that broke to the south was able to make it through the southern door, which was much warmer, and noticed, saw in front of them a skeleton floating, uh, turning around in front of an altar, and seemed to be in stasis. And the other party found that the freed slaves from <clears throat> above had actually come down into the crypt and killed two of the cultists. So they tried to break out of the crypt, uh, out of the uh, dungeon, and unfortunately toppled the statue on top of the uh, trap door that they came in from, trapping them inside. Uh, and the other group ventured forth to explore this new warm room. Now, the room was a bit strange. Uh, on this altar, there was a ball of light and a ball that seemed to be sucking light into it. And then behind that, about 20 feet up in the air, two more uh, of the same color, and they were basically feeding each other. And in between the ones that were 20 feet above the altar, there was a slow motion explosion. So obviously this is a bit odd. Um, something that none of us had even seen before. And uh, we decided to creep forward, they decided to creep forward and explore the skeleton, and it attacked them. And now we're nearly dead. The other team uh, finally decided to come back down and uh, see how they're doing. And, uh, and Keith has tried to Keith has tried to lasso the skeleton, but I ended up at zero hit points again. And, and I have to say, it, and there was no reason to attack the skeleton. It was focused on Nargol, who was safely able to stay out of its way because it's moving slow. So who actually attacked the skeleton? I did not attack the skeleton. I didn't did we... attack it. Wasn't it coming for Isis first? No, it was coming for Nargol first. Ah, you're it right. was focused on Nargol. And, and actually, Lothbar, I know you've only got 15 minutes, so I, I think we should let you talk first. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just really happy that we took an extra rest to recover that one hit point, because that one hit point is all I have left. Um, my character, uh, Dino, is currently stabilized uh, at, one hit, at one hit point, while the other two that dragged me into this room, because I believe I'm the only human in the party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm the only one who couldn't see in the dark of this dungeon, and was dragged by Kesis, because that was the only way to go. I'm actually, I don't know which would have been worse, uh, being stuck in that room full of spiders or being dragged in here to deal with this now. So, definitely the, definitely the spiders. Yeah, here yeah, we only have one enemy, enemy and we're all together. But it does seem to be a bit of a puzzle. Yeah, um, I have absolutely no idea what to think of this puzzle. Of, of this puzzle. Does anyone have any thoughts? Does anyone remember the color sequence that the skeleton's eyes flashed in? Oh, you mean the color sequence? I kept yelling <laughs> out of character to touch the orbs in that specific sequence? Yes, I do know. I do know that. 
Second thing is, we haven't got to observe the room much other than knowing there's orbs. I want to check pedestals for writing, check like the markings underneath these glowing orbs. But we kind of got to deal with the skeleton doing the stabbing before we get to the Luxian. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, it would it's pretty stupid of me to run down an attack because I would have been, I think, the most viable uh, character to keep kiting the skeleton. Right, but it's I mean, not like we had any, uh, any way to sort of discuss that in character beforehand. I mean, we yeah, can't no. now because this is a really good opportunity to discuss our tactics if we survive this. Right, and, and because it's role-playing, you don't want to take the time to discuss tactics. That's not role-playing. I mean, you know, we're in battle, you're reacting time of the moment based upon what you expect the personality of your character to should, to be. I mean, this is not strategic gaming. This is role-playing, which, which is an entirely different, different aspect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what you would do if you were in that situation. You just kind of have to act mm-hmm. how your character would act. Exactly. So like if your character is very shy and doesn't really want to engage, and the character is put in the middle of a very social, large gathering, your character probably would want to go to the corner and not talk to anyone, yeah, even though. Even though if you, as a player, are the complete opposite. But I guess it makes sense then that he would just run up and punch the shit out of a skeleton, riding the hinds. Some, uh, some very recent victories. Mm-hmm. Right, but fighting... Uh, but after this particular battle, we have the opportunity to say... Like, our characters have the opportunity to say, well, this didn't go out, go as we planned. And the others did step in and help me with this and help me with that, so... We kind of have an in-character opportunity to actually talk about tactics for the next time. Although, we won't have it during the battle itself. Yeah, we gotta survive this first. Hopefully. Hey, as as far as Nargol is concerned, Reggie and Rolfor are going to take to kill him at any first opportunity they have. You mean the opportunity we have right now? Yes, absolutely. It would be perfectly in character to either for and expect for you to chop Rolfor's head off or toss him into one of the orbs. That would be chop absolutely. Chop off, excuse you. Chop a... Well, yes. I mean, and that would be absolutely in character for absolutely valid role playing. I mean, this to be honest, this this, this whole scenario that we have is not set up for a group to be cohesive. I mean, the DM set this up. We've got a slaver. We've got an assassin. We've got a contract where the contract said you're going to kill these two. This whole scenario is not set up for us to be cohesive together. This scenario is set up for us to basically be against each other, using each other, if relevant, to survive. Hear me out. Okay, absolutely. You let Nergal die, and then Kisus is motivated to stay on our good side because we hold her reputations for verifying her contract with the Assassin's Guild on whether or not she fulfilled her role or not. That's absolutely totally valid. Yes, it is. Because you would then determine if she goes back and attempted to protect Nargal and fulfilled her contract. Absolutely correct. And that is absolutely valid role-playing. But like I said, the DM set this up not for a nice party. We're supposed to be basically here not working together, we don't like each other. Nargo's a slaver. A slave trader. The other one's on the boat. 
Yes, a dumb one. A and a very weak one with a strength of six. Not a dumb one. He's got good intelligence. He just can't pick up a wet noodle. And meanwhile, we've got people on the boat with the captain that basically want to toss him overboard at the first chance they got. No. So this is not... The captain, yeah. was, the captain was going to either have you guys killed if necessary, but mostly <laughs> they wanted to have you captured and stopped so that they could turn you in and hit the next port. Now, and, and collect both the money I paid him and the reward. Really? Actually, that's smart. He's getting double money. I yep. appreciate that. It's smart of him, but it doesn't mean I'm any... But what I'm saying here is the DM, this campaign was set up not for us to be a cohesive party. It was set up for us to basically be at each other's throats and see if we can survive. That's role play. I think you... my character might be one of the only ones that has actual motivation to be nice to every single one of you guys. Well, I actually, I'll agree with that. You and probably uh, the druid also, Kalena. Probably only you two, because the rest of the ones should be at each other's throats and looking at each other and saying, I'm going to use you to see if I need you to survive. If not, why do I need you? Now, that doesn't mean we're going to stay like that throughout the whole thing. I mean, I'll bring back to the previous campaign where we had... Um, and we were starting... There were two characters there, Diff and Vic, that, Vic, that at the beginning were basically at each other's throats. What people noticed as the roleplay went by, the t halfway went, they were teaming up and keeping each other's backs, but they'd never admit it. And they ended up together at the end. <laughs> like, it was a whole progression. So this could possibly progress that way. It might turn out not to, but it's been set up by the DM to start off in strife and conflict. Hmm. I've had my say. I tend to talk too much. <laughs> a lot of words for a dying man. <laughs> so how how do we think that we can keep in character and still play together? I know that we what, do. Nerd will die? <laughs> well, if we do see each other as tools, <laughs> then you know, wouldn't throw away a hammer when you don't have a better one. You know, well, you wouldn't throw away a broken well, hammer when you don't have a better one. So you're absolutely I mean, correct. Yes, Reggie, Reggie, and Rolfar aren't they members of the crew? Aren't they crew members? So two motives here. You have Rolfar who wants to go out, see the world, learn stories, become a bard, and have you know be the top storykeeper there is. You have Dino that wants to go out and learn culture. You have Delane, who is a source of knowledge, be it through worshipping center, other traveled knowledge. And you have Kesis, who's the member of an Assassin's Guild and who knows where her path has taken her. And their goal, if there wasn't an adamant hate for me of him, or, you know, slaving and thinking that's valid income, may also have stories of knowledge. So you have this pursuit of knowledge that could drive the party, have us solving puzzles and otherwise gathering lore in this world. But all these characters are also navigated by humans who like having pissing contests and trying to kill each other on accident. So... That keeps it interesting. It makes it fun! What do you think, uh, Reggie? Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that part that, um... <laughs> that there's a faction and that um yeah and and like we can't seem to cohesively do anything and that that's um contentious i uh yeah la last the last game session we had well it was difficult for me too because i didn't even um i wasn't even, i couldn't even see or hear everything that had happened um, because of other things that were going on at home 
but um, that was very disappointing to me. And and I guess I guess uh, Nargal is right. I mean, we are at a. I don't know how to fix that. I think seeing Other each other let him die. <laughs> I'm not going to kill him, but I will certainly let him die. I mean, Nergol's indicated to some extent that he that he has some insight on how these orbs work. So we have some, at least the the, the characters who have seen him examining these orbs and running around the room, they have some motivation to keep him alive, at very least as bait, and secondarily as a source of, um, how is this actually going to work? Uh, you know, like, how is how do these things uh, actually interact with each other to for us to take down the skeleton because he the skeleton doesn't seem to be going down very easily um color pattern we have one person hitting it with a stick for you saying it's not going down very easily because the other combatants either got sliced in the first swing or decided skipping around and cutting ropes was better than you know directly confronting it well yeah because everybody who directly confronts this we had one of our uh, who we've seen take, uh, you know, take damage before and get and punch out spiders, punch pet spiders pretty much in half, and just crush things with his bare hands. We've seen this character take one hit from this skeleton and drop to the ground. So it's a bit, you know, we we have demonstration that just coming up and confronting it for head on might not be a good idea. Although not all of the characters did see that, so. I'm a wrestle it. <laughs> well, this is our goal. And I'm going to address one thing. First of all, I'm going to address, you know, the part of where Reddy said she's uncomfortable. And, and that's a valid statement. This is a group that is not meant to be comfortable. And this is one of the issues with role-playing. You may get into areas where you're not comfortable with. I mean, if the DM had set this up as a scenario, whereas... You are chosen as first-level squires. You have trained together. Your master has felt that there's these items in this dungeon that are savaging the land, and you are now the selected team to go in and cleanse the land. You know, we'd be acting totally differently. That's a cohesive unit at that point where you're working together, you're supporting to each other. That's comfortable to a lot of people because that's what they see in natural life. You know, people are social beings. We like to get along. Here, the DM has put together a scenario where you're not going to get along. So that's going to cause a lot of real-world discomfort for some people. But we're role-playing. So we have to go along with the scenario. And understanding, you know, that might not be comfortable. And I'm not referring to items, you know, such as language or that. Because I'll be the first one. I have asked for the language to be toned down, knowing that we have, you know, some younger people playing with us. And it would be entirely different if we were all, excuse me, I know the younger people are going to yell at me for this. If we had all adults of our age, we might be having slightly different terminology. But that's different. The DM has purposely put this as an uncomfortable conflict. And no, that, that's not always pleasant for everyone. It's something we're going to have to deal with. And you're, you're absolutely correct what Reggie is saying. It would be totally in character based upon the letter to follow the wishes of your captain and not wishing a traitor to basically leave Nargol to die. And there would be no hard feelings with that because that is 100% in character and an expectation. That's valid role-playing. I'm going to have well, to so, stop for a quick second because I do need to go, sadly. Okay. Uh, but I do think I, if 
if all of us survive this somehow, every last one of us, I think it could be an interesting moment for in character uh, growth and cohesion. I think yet another situation where we're helping you. Learn. So I feel like that could be potentially something to bring a little more to me. But uh, with that, I must go. So thank you guys. I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you. Talk to you later. So, yeah, our as far as role-playing goes, we, we do have that uh, disconnect between us. Um, but we can, like, we if we let, uh, if we let Nergol die, that would be perfectly in character for at least some of us. Um, and, but there's, there's also this need to, uh, it, to see what Nergol knows about these things. On the other hand, our whole role-playing system right now is is sort of based around us working together just to you know well at least this past session is just us working together trying to survive uh down here so whether or not we're at each other's throats we're all useful to each other on some level so i think that's what i think that's what reggie is kind of concerned about um if we're not is that accurate, Reggie? Yes. Yeah, because if we're if we're all, uh, or if, if we're basically um, running around just trying to uh, get in each other's way, we're not gonna survive. None of us are. Um, even as our, in our characters, still all want to survive. So, I think that for the most part, our characters would put aside. Uh, a lot of our differences just in order to stay alive but they also wouldn't go out of their way to jump to somebody's rescue if it's clear that rescuing a person is going to get them killed I mean absolutely I mean if we look at Nargo right now and his motivation from roleplay standpoint he sees no reason to support Reggie and Rolfor other than using them as tools to ensure that he stays alive. Right, but okay. Bottom so, line, that's not, that's solid role playing. Right, and yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like that's really gonna um, gonna happen. I get so, that. So you say you see them as value for tools, but it, uh, the reason I pick on Nergal for being a dumb slaver is if you want someone to work with you or in service to you, and you don't have power over them, you don't say directly that you intend to use them. Because you are starting with no power, and now you're showing your motives versus trying to coerce them to work for you and leverage what you currently have. Have you seen what Nargle's wisdom is? It's like eight or seven. Yeah, it's, totally in, it's totally in character for him to say that because he has no wisdom. So he doesn't know when to shut his mouth off. So in terms of playing a correct character, let me put it that way. If he had a higher wisdom, he wouldn't say that. But in terms of role-playing based upon his traits and character, that was totally in character. And you know, with Kesis, Kesis as a character does not see Reggie and Rolfer useful to me at all. If anything, Kesis sees them as distractions and people who will get us killed. So, and now especially with this letter, Kesis is really not liking Rolfer and Reggie. And right now, she just wants to take uh, Nargol, Talina. Um, Delane and Dano, and just get out of here. But 
they've made no moves to attack Kesis or uh, Nergul at all. Well, well, hold on. Nargul's in, in impression, whether it's valid or not, again, we're role-playing based on character impression. Yeah. Nargul's Nargle, impression is when Rolfor stepped off the plate and triggered the attack on Rolfor. Rolfor views that as a attack on him, an attempt to kill him. So that's the way Rolfor is playing that one from a role-playing standpoint. And the you way mean, he did you that... You right? Nargal. Sorry, Nargal. And he was willing to let that slide. He said, okay, maybe she wouldn't. But then when the letter came out, that flipped him saying, oh, so, okay, I gave her, when she was unconscious, well, the healing potion. Him. The healing potion. Brought him back to life. Okay, maybe he was scared, but now I see what he was doing. He was following that letter one. So that's not. He didn't even know the letter was, was there. Play. I know. I'm saying, I'm saying after we got off the plate. Even playing as in character, your character has been given knowledge and interactions with Roll Four. Yes, that is correct. And and Roll Four didn't even know the letter was there. I mean, why would he le- read it no. out loud if he was trying to? Well, no, we, we found the letter after the fact. So yeah. I'm referring going back. After the fact. Because I'm saying, when he stepped off of that, Nargo was, okay, maybe you did leave, but then the letter came after the fact. So he started thinking, uh, in character, events going backwards. And that's the way his line of thought went. And okay. he forgets that Roll4 said, don't come any closer. And that the letter wasn't discovered until after the, the Correct. thing. Correct. Okay. The letter was not discovered until the trap, but because the letter was discovered after the trap, he was saying, like, okay, why would he leave that? Even though he said coming after it, but he was unconscious when Nargo gave him the potion, so he was already there, and he's going, so what happened? And then he got the letter after the fact. It's like you get something a few days or a week later, and you go, oh, that explains the action that happened a long time ago. That's the way Nargo's thinking. All right. But even Rolfor didn't have the letter before that beforehand. Correct. The letter was after the fact. That, okay. After that action. That's correct. The letter explained an action in the past, in terms of Nargol's mind. Nargol is inject. I think we just got... We just lost Ace. Ding down a room full of glowy light, dark light, creating a rainbow, magic we don't understand, and an adamant skeleton that cannot be reasoned with the letter or not. I think my uh, network connection is kipping out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Can we rodeo the skeleton and put it in the light ball to see if it heals it back to a human corpse and we can yell at it? It'd be cool. I don't think that would be a good idea. Bring it to life. It is trying to avoid the white ball. I honestly... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I I think that'd be really cool. Lasso the skeleton and drag it up into a white ball and see if it comes back as a prince. That would be absolutely so cool. Technically, it is already lassoed. It just apparently, according to DM, can still move. Well, the rope was cut. So the rope was cut between... Uh, there's only like five feet of the rope left, where there was like 20 feet of the rope left. Because you lassoed yeah. it pretty pretty well, like using 30 feet of the rope to wrap it around multiple times. There were... I think the DM said there were four or six loops around the skeleton. And... Yeah. Uh, and then Talina grabbed the rope and started pulling on it, and um, Nergul didn't see Talina pulling on the rope and just uh, cut the rope because he thought that um, 
it, it was it was simultaneous action. Nargo ran around, and because Kesis was dead, and the skeleton was dragging Kesis, he went around to cut the rope to separate Kesis from the skeleton. But because it was all simultaneous, uh, Talina had dragged the rope, had grabbed the rope. So that's where things just yeah. kind of got a bit chaotic. I think um, as far as working with what we have, we need to try to figure out some way to see for our like our characters. At least Elaine sees everybody as being able to um, be used. Like everybody is able to be used in some way if they, if she approaches them properly. But if it looks like it's basically moving, um, like it's working backwards for her, if it's making it worse for her, she'll probably just let somebody die rather than uh, go out of her way to heal them. Well, I'll, I'll agree with that. There's, it's wasteful to kill without benefit of coming out of it. Absolutely. So, Reggie, I think, was trying to tell us that, you know, it's a little bit, it's really difficult to um, see it that way when it seems like the characters only are trying to kill each other rather than seeing each other as tools. It seems like to me that we've been seeing each other less as tools and more as adversaries, even when we're in the same situation. I don't know if that's true for everybody here. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that. So, and so for me, it seems like our characters, instead of seeing each other as tools, are seeing each other as uh, uh, obstacles, even when we're fighting, uh, you know, kind of for the same survival environment. I would say our characters see other ones as a threat first so they're uh they're each other's threat even in the middle of a combat kind of possibly absolutely yes jesus jesus basically sees everyone as a threat no matter who you are she sees everyone as a threat and then over time she will learn that okay i can trust you or okay i can't trust you because of the way jesus is going to be like living under being an assassin she basically has to view it that way and also with her past that i haven't um explained yet no that makes it kind of makes everyone a threat i mean we're roughly in game time we're what 48 hours 72 hours into a game into five the days. world time it's been five days in in, in world since we've okay, even met each other five days in a world Given the starting scenario, you're not going to go in five days in world. Think, okay, hey, we're all synced up, uh, buddy. Welcome. Now we get along great. No, nah. you're still going to be viewed as a threat. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, sorry, go ahead. Because Kesis is lawful evil, she is going to find any way she can to give her a reason to get rid of a problem. So, like. For example, if Kesis wanted to take the letter she found, she's like, this is proof that they were planning to harm us. You know, so Kesis is, it's quite, it's its really fun to play Kesis, honestly. There's so many ways you can look at things. But I think there's a difference between threat and adversary. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Like I, uh, I think that you know, everybody, if everybody's a threat, right, then you can minimize the, what's 
actually going to hit you, right? You can minimize, you can look at how you can turn people against each other and make it so that it's easier to, for you to um, use them as a tool, even though they're possibly going, possibly threats to you, rather than just, you know, making your motives open and, and uh, uh, actualizing the threat earlier than it needs to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. But that's, um, I mean, that's just my take on kind of how threats. Yeah. And, you know, I think, honestly, in Kisus's mind, Dino is the only character so far that she has instantly trusted. And I think it's because he's a monk. She is kind of expected that he's not going to hurt me or Nargal. We know him as a scholar. Yeah, because we don't know. None of us seems to know that he's a monk yet. I think. Monk scholar. I mean, the he thing is, seem like a huge threat though in Tachesis. He doesn't have any weapons, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Dino would be the only one that's viewed not as a threat or an adversary from the initial group because he was not as part of the initial group, so he is not part of that initial, shall we say, betrayal. One of a better yeah, thing. Yeah, say that. But I mean, with Kisa, though, her not trusting people—that goes along with anyone who the party will run into. She won't trust, I've and she him. will. Yeah, we got five minutes you know, until an enemy the or game. Yeah, that makes sense. If if we run into just random people, it's not like it's not like they have you have a contract with them, Kisa. Exactly. So, Kisses is such an interesting character to play, especially with her background and everything. Yeah. Um, Reggie, did you have one more thing to say? Uh, no, I, I guess I'm sort of being convinced here that I guess it's just going to have to be somewhat adversarial. Though I, I'm just a little... How we're, how we're going to end up in the end is, is just unsure. Well, and that's part of the fun of role-playing, because you don't know how we're going to end up in the end. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to die. You don't know if elite alliances are going to be formed or if characters are going to change. That's the fun part of this. If you knew right from the beginning that you're going to be this all-fun and well-meshed group, where's the fun in that? <laughs> Honestly. I mean, hey, in the previous campaign with the gnomes, Rennie, you know, she was kind of trusted in everything. But Rennie wasn't actually Rennie, and it wasn't until the end when there was a huge switch. And then all of a sudden, you know, my character got abandoned and died. So it's just, your it, character it's all about get abandoned. how you, you know. Yeah, we didn't abandon your character. We dragged her with us, and we healed her several times. I, I advocated for your character quite a bit. The, the shapeshifter. Not oh. Rennie. The yes, the shapeshifter. I... I advocated, Trudy advocated for the shapeshifter quite a bit. Well, well I, I will have to say, and it, actually it's, it's not related to this campaign at all, but in the last campaign where we were set up, the gnomes were told that they looked, I mean not the gnomes, the dark dwarves were told that they looked upon the gnomes as basically beneath them as food and treated that way. Um, and then after a couple of rounds of that, I was actually told by them, um, can I change that because it's making some people uncomfortable? So for party unity, I would like you to tone that down. And, and to be honest, I think that ruined things. 
I mean, part of this is not having to change things because, and it, and it goes directly into here, because, you know, we don't like where it is. This is role-playing. Can the, can the party actually overcome that? That's part of the challenge of role-playing. And it might be that we don't. And, that's, and it might be that we do. But that's part of the fun of true role-playing. And not gaming, but true role-playing. Because it's trying to come overcome that. Not for the sake of, hey, we're supposed to be a party, but for the sake of, are we actually going to be a party or not? Does the personalities in the startup lend to that? I'll be blunt, without outside interference. It might be totally valid that no hard right. feelings. I think we, we understand yeah. the the role-playing aspect of it. Um, it just doesn't seem... Oh, uh, I think we're actually at time. Um, thank you, everybody. Uh, talk to you later. Goodbye. Have a great night, guys. <laughs>